Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Well, we've got a great show today. We've got Ross McKenzie, and he has a balance of years of professional self-development training, very enthusiastic, and that makes him the ideal mentor for those in search of just showing up authentically in all aspects of life. Ross comes to us with a lot of training. He's professionally trained in relational somatic psychotherapy, cellular cleansing, Hatha yoga, and Reiki, and has studied countless therapeutic and wellness disciplines to successfully mentor optimal wellness approaches for his clients. He works as a guide, a mentor and coach. He's equipped with tremendous therapeutic skills and tools that can direct his clients along their path to wellness. And everything is customized to each client's needs. Now, he comes at this with some personal experience. Ross has walked the walk, and he understands what it takes to show up every day. And Ross, everybody loves to hear the story. Talk to me. Tell me what it was like walking the walk. Well, for me, uh, Lee, the, the journey really began. Um, I was 21 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm just about to turn 50 in, in a few days on March 17th. So, uh, but at 21, it feels like a lifetime and another lifetime within this lifetime. I was, um, I was actually going to school in, in upstate New York, uh, Hobart and William Smith College. And, uh, it was interesting because just a few months before that, I was playing soccer on the college team. We were number one in the country. I mean, life was just, couldn't be better in, in all stages. And uh, next thing I know, I, for my, my dad gave me for my 21st birthday, uh, March 1993. I went to a self-development seminar. Um, it was a firewalk seminar. And so here I was at the seminar, 1,500 people at the Marriott Hotel in Chicago. It's cold outside. And um, anyways, we had midnight. We go out to do this firewalk, a 12-foot firewalk. And uh, on the other side of this firewalk, I had uh, what many years later I understood was a Kundalini awakening. Um, but on the other side of this firewalk, also I'm in this extreme, it was like a switch had been flipped. I'm in a state of extreme euphoria and bliss. And so this was a three, this is a seminar that started on a Friday and ended on a Sunday. I continued the seminar, but I didn't sleep Friday night. Went to the seminar Saturday and didn't sleep Saturday night. I wasn't eating food, so you can. So that was starting to culminate into the effect. And then Sunday, I um, didn't sleep again. Sunday night, Sunday night, Monday morning, I'm flying back to uh, Toronto from Chicago. My father's picking me up, and he's having lunch with me, and then he's taking me to the airport. I'm going to do a term abroad um, from upstate New York, and I'm heading to New York City to meet 30, 30 other students and two professors in my college. So, you know, I, uh, at that point, I'm in New York City. And I was in this euphoric, blissful state, and um, I pretty much wanted to save the world. I was out with the homeless at night, still wasn't sleeping for a number of days, and I was hugging all the homeless and handing out what little money I had left in my bank account. And I guess we're now about three days into this, uh, I guess six days of no sleep at this point. My sister calls me, and she says, I really need your help. Because um, she realized I was in such a helping state in this euphoric state of blissful ecstasy, and so from there I actually uh, I just grabbed my wallet, ran to the JFK airport, jumped in a cab, bought a one-way ticket to JFK back to Toronto. And while this was happening, 
uh, my family was setting up an intervention at a psychiatric hospital. Um, you know, my, my parents at the time were doing the best they could. My sister was doing the best they could, but having come, just come out of, uh, you know, psychology training, family therapy training, she's like my son, my brother's in a manic episode. So I get to the hospital and I basically said to them, um, listen, I'll, I'll come in here. Uh, I'm not going to let you medicate me, but uh, you know, I'll go into the hospital for a few days and you're sure you're allowed to observe me. Now I'm in a psychiatric ward um, in uh, Credit Valley Hospital, it's about 30 minutes west of Toronto, city of Toronto. And about two days in there, so now we're on eight days of no sleep. Um, you can imagine just how that was affecting, and, no, and not eating either. So I was losing a tremendous amount of weight. And um, uh, a new client kind of came in. And at this point, I was thinking that I was in there to be the welcoming committee and, and helping everyone <laughs> get comfortable in the psychiatric ward. You know, not fully clear at the time that I wasn't quite balanced myself. And so this person gets admitted, and I went over to this person and you know, trying to make them feel comfortable in their surroundings. And, uh, you know, the person says, hey, you know what, sometimes I have these happy tears. Sometimes I have these sad tears. Sometimes I have these acid tears that come out of my eyes and burn holes into my skin. So at that point, I was really kind of moving in between worlds and uh, really felt that I was in a dangerous situation. So I went over to the nurse and I said, you know what, I actually really, I now I need to get out of here. I'm not in a safe situation. The nurse looked at me, rolls her eyes walks away. And so I look at the nurse, I look at the door and boom, I just did my hospital clothes and then bare feet. I think it was about March 27th, 1993. It's cold outside. And I, now I'm racing. I escaped from the psychiatric ward. I'm running across the grass, uh, through the snow and, um, it's very cold. And all I'm thinking in my head was I got to get to South America, got to get it far away from that woman who was just terrifying me. So Basically, long story short, they had dogs looking me for me. They had the police looking for me. About an hour later, I was uh, apprehended by police, um, you know, thrown in handcuffs, brought back to the hospital, thrown in a straitjacket, thrown in a white padded room, pump full of Haldol, still, I think, the strongest antipsychotic known to man. And it was in that experience while I was in the straitjacket that I left my body. I had a white light experience. Uh, I believe it was a near-death experience. And in the conversations I had in these other places, these other realms, I was told I was to go on a journey. I was to get to the bottom of what happened. And when I did, I was going to educate others on how I did it. So I woke up the next morning in this straitjacket, having had that white light experience. And I uh, was given the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Told I needed to take lithium for the rest of my life. I left the hospital and I just hung on to that white light experience and that very important uh journey I went on and I for the next 20 years I traveled the world in search of the cure to my symptoms and then in 2010 I detoxed off of lithium a medication I never should have been on for gosh 18 years and from there uh, my life began I then did a documentary film called Bipolarized uh, that I started writing in 2011 uh, the film was finished in 2013 aired across Canada on national television in 2014. And then by 2015, um, I was taking the culmination of all the years of training that I'd done, all those years while I was on lithium, as I was just training and searching and trying to get to the bottom of things. And since 2015, I've been a professional coach and mentor and somatic therapist and basically kind of like a mental health intuitive is how I'd really call my work. And um, since then, I've been 
helping clients uh, is uh, all over the world and just helping them kind of navigate the system. Um, I'm not against medications. There's a, there's a place for them. But as I learned from many doctors and psychiatrists that I talked to in my film and throughout the years, these medications were always designed to be a short-term solution to extreme states. Uh, you know, a few days, get them off. And, um, you know, obviously we're in a very different situation now. And so I've really dedicated my life and my mission to um, education. Uh, the education is really directed toward mind, body, and spirit approach to addressing mental wellness without pharmaceutical pills uh, and really addressing the root cause of symptoms. And uh, so I guess that's really kind of a, a nutshell of what brings me to, yeah, turning 50 uh, Thursday, March 17th. So it's a brand new life. I have two wonderful children, an incredible wife, and uh, I'm dedicated till my last breath to uh, link arms with many other people around the planet. Um, and I know from our conversations, Leo, you sounds like we have a lot in common here, um, helping to rewrite the script from what is a system that is um, failing the people and is not working anymore and really designing a whole new paradigm for mental health on the planet so that uh, people can really be treated as an ind unique individual um, when it comes to their symptoms, because we're all unique. The symptoms are all unique. Um, and uh, I just feel really grateful to be in the place I'm in today to, uh, to pass this information on to others. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, because, you know, when, when you hear that, I, I can imagine different people identifying with different parts of the experience. And that really touches the heart. I mean, to hear you talk about how you ran out of the the facility, you know, I can imagine this barefoot man in these loose pajamas trying to to get out of there. And it really touches touches my soul because I am not a big believer in medication. My I have a natural bias against it, and I'm always very upfront with that. And that bias is based upon it's never worked for me. It has never worked for me. And so I'm always looking for right. a cohort that shares my optimism that there are other ways to solve a problem, many other ways. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you've, you've come at it. What I really like about it, you come at it on that cellular cleansing level, of which I've just started practicing, um, probably in a different venue but still the same thing and and you come at it from the psychotherapy and from the yoga and from the reiki what do you find is there a i know you approach everybody as individuals as i do and you don't have a template but have you found that if you start with the body first and i mean that's i guess what i found recently is if you can increase that cellular communication between the body and the brain the brain opens up so much quicker. Absolutely. I mean, what I, I mean, there's really what I what I think is kind of a core piece that almost. I mean, if you're living on planet Earth as a human, then on one level or another, uh, you're you've experienced trauma. And some people have had, you know, some people are able to handle trauma um, differently, and others are not, depending on you know, just what the, uh, you know, genetic disposition is to how one can even, you know, move through trauma. But I think really, as I started to go through, and then even with my own life, you know, as I was kind of just always using my own, my life, my own vehicle as an experiment through this whole um, beta process is just that, uh, yeah, when you start to address the trauma, 
um, that's, you know, affecting all of our nervous systems. And, you know, and, and whether it's big traumas or little traumas, these traumas build up over time. And, uh, you know, when that starts to be addressed, and that's when I really came to, you know, somatic trauma therapy, first as a client, and then I was so empowered and, and blown away by the work that I, I need, you know, became professionally trained in it to be able to practice it. Uh, but it's just, you know, to me, it's incredible that, you know, I spent good majority of my life, like right, right up in probably, you know, I came to somatic trauma therapy at age 38 and was doing it intensively and then training in it. And, and in the training, it was also very experiential. So it was me and a bunch of therapists that were also going through our own deep process and facing our shadows. And it wasn't really until about age 44, you know, so we're talking like yeah, six years ago that I felt my nervous system start to be relaxed and self-regulating for the first time in my life. You know, and so that to me was just a huge shift. And so I just, I always like to kind of just start there with a lot of clients just because there's different levels that, that everyone's carrying. Um, because I think we've, we've come to this very much of a quick fix society. And I think, and a lot of people are disembodied. I think it's, it's kind of a norm today that people are disembodied. So when you start to get people attuned to their body and then seeing where they're actually holding these traumas and then with, you know, it's a very, you know, profound but simple practice of, you know, the, the therapist or the person who's trained in this, just this, to hold a, a loving space while the, the client can then move through, you know, big traumas, little traumas, and actually have that experience. You start to, you know, there's that expression of peeling layers of the onion. And when you start to peel those layers of trauma bit by bit by bit, um, you know, then the nervous system starts to know what, how it is to relax, how to, how to naturally self-regulate when you start to release that trauma to the body. And so to me, that's a, that's a big piece that's, you know, I probably put that always, you know, in all the different trainings, all the different modalities that I've come across, that I've learned, that I've experienced, um, that I continue to experience because it's my passion. I just love learning about different modalities. I would say somatic trauma therapy, um, is, you know, top three for me. And, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Peter Levine. He was actually, I interviewed him in my film and I did a piece of work with him in my film by Polarized. And uh, he, he, to me, is one of kind of the pioneers in this field. Uh, he's written a book called Waking the Tiger, uh, which I think is a book that I often recommend my clients to, um, to read because he's just, he's done such an incredible job of, of distilling it down to what trauma is, how we hold it. And how we can actually move it through the body and, and get our, our nervous systems to self-regulate. You know, you're so right. There's a, a book that I refer to a lot, The Body Keeps Score. And that's where the trauma lives. Everything that we experience in our brain, our body is keeping score of. And it's amazing to yep. me that, you know, I believe everybody. I don't wish it on everybody, but I believe everybody's had trauma in their life, mm -hmm. physical trauma, emotional trauma, spiritual trauma. And after the last two years, we've all been introduced to stress mm -hmm. at a whole nother level. Yep. And stress creates trauma. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is, these last two years has been a global trauma on, on, on all of humanity, all of its citizens. So yeah, so it's definitely the, it's uh, yeah. To, to me, there's there's no more important work that that any one individual on Earth can be doing right now that really affects the collective is is what I call doing your doing your shadow work, which and you know trauma somatic trauma therapy or all the different variations and there's many amazing variations on the planet. Um, that to me is if, if we if we're really committing to that as individuals, how we affect the not only as ourselves but the collective 
that's how we transform this world into uh you know the the abundant free fair and benevolent uh earth that uh, humanity was always intended to be which is our birthright well you know i will say one good thing about the pandemic and i think it has left all of us with the recognition that there is a need for some social change we have got Absolutely. to stop and look at the way that we're rushing through our life we want instant gratification do it now 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 um, and it, I learned a lot during the pandemic, and I learned that the word patience is something that I really needed to practice on every level of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the, the teachings from these last two years has been incredible. Um, you know, for me, too, I, I live in a little village in Costa Rica with like, you know, a bunch of expats where there's like, I think there's now about 32 countries represented on 42 lots. And so in this little village, it's kind of, it's, it's always the microcosm, the macrocosm is really very well represented in, in all of our faces. So the, the personal growth has been incredible. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, strangely, I, I just, I have an immense amount of gratitude for this experience because of, of the growth that's happened in such positive ways. And, and even, even in our village and I'm witnessing in individuals and in the collective of what we've gone through. So um, yeah, I have an enormous amount of gratitude for, for this moment that we're passing through right now. Do you think we're passing through it? Are we moving on? I do, but I'm curious you know, as to I, what you I think. I believe we do. I, yeah, I, I do believe. I, I believe we do. I think that, I think this this awakening is is unstoppable, and I think it's happening in stages and at different times for, for different people. For different people. Um, but I, uh, yeah, I think all the sages since the beginning of time was always talked about this very moment. And, um, yeah, I just think it's, I, I think we're passing through it. I think there's some, you know, we're going to be moving through some challenges ahead. Uh, but I think what's on the other side as we turn the page on this is the most extraordinary experience on earth that, that humanity has never experienced to date. And I think that's abundance on every level, on all levels. Um, and that's, that's what I wake up. That's what I hold in my prayer and in my intention and what I invoke every day. That's what I'm experiencing in life every day. And that's what I believe, um, yeah, where all of humanity is heading. Absolutely. Well, you know, that. and that's, that's what I'm seeing. And, and with this whole uh, Ukraine and Russia situation going on, it hurts my heart, the cruelty, the mm-hmm. brutalness of it. But what warms my heart are some of the stories that I'll hear. Uh, I heard a story about a family that had, was flying a Ukraine flag, and they opened their door one day, and there was this little pink heart with that was. They saw the little girl that dropped it off on their porch that just said "sending love," and that mm-hmm. just you know that energy is out there. That energy is out there. But we have to be open to receive it. And I think that so many, we get stuck. We get stuck in that fearfulness. We get stuck in that conviction that we've been done wrong. Um, We can get stuck with a lot of things. And I think that what I've seen my clients is coming through the pandemic is they want they want to face what's standing in the middle of the road. Right. Right. And I think, yeah, we're really at a point where it, it's it's impossible not to face it. I think uh, uh, we've kind of like 
you know, I, and probably even myself too at times, I think we could all say like the almost the complacency or kind of a little bit of sleepwalking that we've probably been going through the last number of decades. And um, it, I think from a very good place, we're actually, it's impossible to do that now. It's like, you know, we must face the things that we need to face. And um, and I love what you said too, you know, bringing, bringing it back to love. I mean, there's uh there's a lot of games are being played. There's a lot of distractions being played by um, I would say not such benevolent uh, forces that have different agendas. And the whole agenda is fear. And how can we keep pumping fear out to keep people's nervous systems rattled to keep them their immune systems, you know, being hit. And um, yeah, so I think it's 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 really it's it's a test. It's it's a test and initiation that we're all going through to. Um, yeah, to keep bringing it back to love in every moment. How in every moment, in every interaction, can you keep bringing it back to love? And that's where we get to grow that frequency collectively. And that's how we transmute, um, you know, this, I believe, some of the challenges that we're facing. Well, and I think it's really hard. If you, if you turn on the news, if you look at social media, it's just, it's there 24-7. And that's one of the biggest things that I coach my clients on is limit the amount of time you spend in front of a screen. You know, you don't need to watch, you don't need to have the news on 24-7. The message very rarely changes from the morning until the <laughs> evening. It just gets more intense. Yeah. Um, so what advice yeah. do you give clients on? How do you, how do you, what do you replace that with? You know, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I actually coach the same thing when it comes to that. And it's funny because in 220, you know, I was, I actually had to start to, you know, I always feel like I have to live my own program before I can coach it or teach it or mentor it. And I was actually consuming too much news. I think when everything hit and I was, I was caught up in that whole web of, you know, all the different forms of propaganda that were going in and, and uh, yeah, and it was affecting me. And, uh, and so I had to have my own pep talk with myself first and then, okay, I need to, you know, not that I want to be completely uninformed. So, I have, you know, places where I, you know, that I look to and people that I trust that I feel like are really doing their absolute best to deliver uh, the truth in the moment to the best of their abilities. And, uh, but I really cut it out like, you know, 80, 90%. And it was amazing to me that when I did that and then I started sharing that with my clients, like, hey, you know what? I learned this lesson. How's it going for you? And if that's happening, you know, you might want to consider doing the same because it can have such an effect. And then from that point, I was just amazed at, you know, even the amount of time that I was spending, the amount of time my clients were spending, like, where else can you use that time? What can you do with that time? And and just how much more how much more fun, how much more time I had for my, my children and, and just my village and, and my work and my mission. It was just like, I was like, it, it was, a, it was a, a really important awakening for me as well. And, and I started to work on that with my clients as well, too. It's like, hey, where do you want to put that energy now? How do you want to use that? What, you know, what's important to you in your life? How are you serving in life? What is your service? And, 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 you know, how can you put more of that energy that you may be putting into watching the news and sitting in front of the screen? Um, how can you put that more to your service and how much more, you know, abundance can, can start to uh, just amplify in life when you do that? It's amazing. Well, you made such a good point about where you get your information. And that is so important because anytime someone comes in to, to my office and they said, you know, I started feeling kind of bad, and so I started Googling it, and now I'm convinced I have this disease, <laughs> and they'll, they'll name something that I can't even pronounce. And I'm like, well, were you right. on Harvard Health? 
or were you at the Cleveland right. Clinic or Mayo or Stanford? You know, where did you get that information? Well, I got it out of the space. Self-diagnosed on the Google, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like yeah. So thank you for making that point. Where you get your information is almost more important than how much of it you get. Yes, yes, fully agree. So when I when I look at people and when I look at what their interest level is, and and I think that everybody's interested in fixing everybody else. I'll, I'll work with families, and one partner is is really more interested in fixing the other partner. Um, you know, we've got about three minutes before we go to break. I don't know if we want to jump in mm-hmm. to that conversation yet or not. But have you experienced right. the the willingness and the readiness to fix yourself before you try to fix others? Well, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I, I just I really think that that's really what it comes down to. I mean, I think there's there can be a lot of projecting and, and it's this person's fault or it's that person's fault. But you know, that's that's a lot of what I bring into to my practice and work is is about the accountability, you know, and taking accountability for ourselves and our own lives. And, and, you know, if whatever our lives may look like, you know, we're the common denominator in it. And so being able to really, you know, and it's it's not easy to me to me, this work and what I, I keep referring to it is, you know, the shadow work, looking at our shadows, facing our shadows, you know, that to me is the most important work to do. And it's not easy work. And so, you know, I always say it's like, you know, turning to look and face it and look at those dark crevices and see how those dark crevices are starting to, you know, how that plays out in, in your own life and how that may be affecting and creating challenges. Um, you know, that's, you know, the thing is, though, when you start to do that, when you start to look at that and then you start to take ownership, I mean, that's that's where the magic and that's where the healing starts to happen. And that's where you can really start to make different changes. And, and that's where life can start to transform. But until you're ready to do that, and, you know, for me, some of the tragic stuff is, you know, I remember the beginning when I was first starting to practice is that, you know, a lot of people aren't, um, I would get a lot of people and okay, I'm, I'm all these psych meds and, and having a lot of side effects and I'm not really getting a lot of benefits. And, you know, to me, it was, it was really heartbreaking and I didn't really work through it myself is that, um, you know, because we've just been so programmed in this quick fix society, um, uh, you know, not everyone was willing to do the work. And, and so for me, it was really like, I felt like it was almost like I was letting my clients down and this. And, and so I really did kind of come through my own process to be like, okay, it's just, it, you know, everyone's making their own choices. This is a free will experiment, you know, this, you know, coming to earth in a body and doing this. So, um, you know, that I just have to trust and know that, okay, everyone's got their choices. And, and if someone wants, doesn't want to do the work, that's their choice. And maybe down the track, they'll come back to it. But I had to really learn how to like, you know, stop stop working with a client, you know, from a loving, compassionate place to be like, Hey, you know what? Okay. I think it's, you know, it's time for stuff work. And if, if you want to come back and do this work, great. But you know, at this point, um, you, you know, if you're wasting your time and, and your finances and, and, and my time. And so with love and respect, you know, I, I need to, you know, stop the, you know, stop the sessions at this point. And, um, That's so it, it took me a while to, to learn to do that. Yeah. 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 That that I really admire that because that's that's walking away from your revenue, your income, but you're doing it out of respect for that person's well being. We're gonna take a break Absolutely. and when we come back, I really wanna learn more about how the process starts for people. We'll be back after these messages. 
Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free fast. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. heard about the Seattle house that went up in flames after a chowder-headed tenant tried to flush out an eight-legged foe in his laundry room by setting it on fire using a lighter and spray paint. Whoops! Big miscababble. Apparently, no one got hurt except perhaps a spider, but the rental home and its contents reportedly suffered $60,000 worth of damage. Neighbors scrambled to hose down their homes to keep the fire away. What's the word for a nearby house that is on fire? A eucalagon. Arachnophobia, or the fear of spiders, is pretty common. In case you're wondering what kind of nut job would actually try to kill a spider this way, this isn't the first case of this sort to occur. Why did the spider cross the road? To look for a new website, maybe? It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. back. Now here is your host, Lee Richardson. your host, Lee Richardson. We're back and we've got Ross McKenzie with us today. And we've really, we spent the first part of the show understanding how one can reach their optimal wellness, because it has a lot to do with starting with yourself and living in your own skin, owning your own story, being accountable. And there's so many, you know, different theories out there and so many different approaches. And one of the questions I get a lot, and I'm real curious to hear your answer, Ross, is what is the best way? What is the best one? Mm. I I love that question. To me, it's such a, I mean, the whole journey is such an individual journey. Like when I, when I look back at, you know, all the, you know, when I made the question and, and and really where it changed for me, because for the first many years, you know, after the diagnosis and there I was on lithium and, you know, my life was at a standstill. I mean, it, it, side effects from lithium were horrific. And so it was really around, gosh, I think it was a number of years in. And of course, being on lithium, I would get my blood checked every three to four months to check for lithium toxicity because you can die of lithium toxicity. And my doctor calls me and says, hey, you know what? Let, need to let you know your, your kidneys are starting to show signs of wear and tear. So that was like I was around age 30. And all I could imagine was like kidney dialysis at 35 and, you know, dead at 40. Oof. And so it was at that moment that I asked the question, and this is really something I try and instill with all my clients, is that I started to ask a different question. And my question was this, what are these symptoms here to teach me? And the moment I started to ask that question and stay focused on that question every single day, my world changed because then all of a sudden different practitioners, different therapists, different shamans, different healers started to just at the perfect moment come into my life 
and be another kind of little piece to the puzzle. And so, yeah, it's really, I mean, and kind of, if there's kind of a thing that I like to instill with all my clients now is just, and I kind of say that, you know, it's really about becoming the CEO of your own healthcare, you know, and, and, and by asking that question, just surrender and be open to the journey. And by going into that, having that question, surrendering the journey, you know, just opening yourself to the magic and the possibilities, um, the journey will be what it will be. And it'll be different from my journey. I mean, I certainly have a lot of, you know, I, I have certain skills that I do in my, in my toolbox. But when I know that, you know, I feel like intuitively, you know, I have colleagues all over the world, you know, and that this colleague um, would be better and would be really appropriate for this client right now to do this. I actually, that's where I kind of, my work is kind of like, I act like a concierge in the sense that, you know what, I think this person would be an amazing person to work with. And I feel really fortunate now that I have a lot of clients that that love that aspect. They're okay, great. You know what? Let me let me check in with that client, or let me check in with that therapist or that colleague, and and then they go off and do that, and you know, come back to me and check in. So I, that that's really what I I say is that it's an individual journey, but by opening yourself up to it and and just really truly surrendering to the process, um, you know, to me that's where the magic happens. And I agree with that. There's because you have to go with what resonates with you. You know, when I when I read mm-hmm. a theory or, or I hear an idea and intuitively I'm like, yeah, I like that. You know, I think that would work. Um, that's that that's intuition. And, and I'm going to start off more positively with that because it resonates with me. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. we all have different things. And and on a different day, quite honestly, something different might resonate with me. It's where I'm at. Where's my right. head at that moment in time? And what are my beliefs? Do I believe that that's something that I could do successfully? And so many of the clients that I work with, I think their belief systems it, it can be their most limiting factor because they'll come in, well, yeah, I don't think I can do that. So let's talk about that because, yes, you know, you can. Uh, well, m- maybe I could, but, then, you know, then I'd have to change my diet, then I have to go to sleep at a regular time. Um, and this kind of alludes to what you had mentioned earlier in the show, those lifestyle choices, they're some of the most difficult ones that at, they sound so simple, but they are on a personal level, they can be some of the most difficult choices for people to make. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I like to actually talk about a personal experience just from my own life that where I was really fighting you know, some adjustments in my diet and I would always go to different nutritionists and, you know, kind of get, very, you know, different nutritionists, different people in kind of the, that kind of field. And I would get very similar information coming back, you know, you know, be mindful of, you know, dairy and wheat and, and gluten and all that stuff. It's just not great for your system. And, you know, I would kind of hear it one ear at the other next thing, you know, I'm eating pizza and doing some of those things and, and then getting the effects of it. And then I came across another brilliant healer that I had to the privilege of, of meeting that's, you know, now a friend and colleague as well, but he's also, I consider my kind of my number one doctor here is a doctor of homeopathy here in Costa Rica. And, um, you know, I was really suffering from allergies my entire life, like really bad when I was living in North America, kind of grew out of them in my adult years. And then um, by the time I came to the tropics, very different biosphere, also my, my, and different pollens and just my allergies went through the roof. And, um, so lo and behold, I'm sitting there, I'm suffering really badly. Our dear friend who delivers our eggs to our house, and she says, hey, you know what, you might want to go to this doctor. He does bee venom therapy. And so I'd heard about it before. 
long story short, I, I you know, I get this injection of what's the equivalent to 200 bee stings um, in my body. And my allergies, I've had eight since, but my allergies have been in complete remission ever since. It's been so dramatically life-changing. But the thing that he said to me, and it finally landed this time where I was able to really click it in, he's like, listen, here's a list of foods that if you want to really have your immune system get strong and you want to keep this therapy up and we're eventually going to step away from this therapy, here's a list of foods that you want to minimize or avoid completely. And here's a list of foods you can eat as much as you want of. And it wasn't finally until, like, and I guess this is about eight months ago this happened, that I really got serious about really getting serious about my diet and what I'm intaking and how it's impacting me because I'd had such a life change experience from releasing allergies for the first time in my life. I mean, food was tasting differently. My energy levels are completely different. I felt like an 18-year-old kid. I feel like an 18-year-old kid now with my vitality. So, you know, it's just funny how... You know, even for myself who does this and practices this, it was just still, that was one piece I was fighting and fighting and fighting until I finally got to have the real experience of going, oh, okay, do I want to feel great every day and and actually make the change to do that? Or do I want to just like, you know, constantly do the eating the things that I know I shouldn't be eating and to have all these constant setbacks? So, um, you know, it's just, it's really, it just comes down to like, choice you know do you want to feel great and do you want to do the things that are going to help you to do that and manifest that or do you want to kind of keep setting yourself back and uh, you know it's a practice for all of us so you do think do you think you would have been ready to do that 20 years ago um that kind of therapy i mean if i'd heard about that 20 years ago i think 20 years ago i kind of might have thought that that was a little crazy <laughs> What do you mean you're going to inject the equivalent of 200 bee stings in my body? That sounds insane. Um, so, yeah, that sounds probably would have been my reaction 20 years ago. Yeah. But I think just, yeah, as it was kind of an accumulation of just the growth and, and then just having it be such a mission and then becoming my, you know, my professional life. And I think just, yeah, the time it came to me this time, as I'd heard it better a number of years ago, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm suffering so much. Um, I'm willing to try anything at this point, even if it means I'm going to have 200 bee stings injected into my body. Um, so, yeah, I think just it's funny how you know, I think you'd mentioned a little bit earlier, like just something that you could hear might resonate. Um, it might not resonate at some point and then it could resonate in the future. And I think that just comes back to the the process of just staying open to, you know, positive possibilities. Being open to receive. And that is something It sounds mm-hmm. so simple, but it's got to start with the heart. And then up from right. the heart, it, it, it will flow. So you, you Absolutely. mentioned earlier, you, you're kind of a concierge. When you meet with your clients, you determine really what their biggest needs are. You identify what you personally can help them with. And then you will refer them to those that can help them on a different level, correct? Correct, correct. So, yeah, I mean, because so, I was going to say, like, for example, I'm not I'm not a doctor and I'm certainly not a doctor psychiatry or, or medicine that knows how to safely uh, and carefully titrate and detox from these medicines if that's their choice. And so that's that's one clear example where I have these amazing colleagues and doctors that I refer people to. And, and, and when it comes to that kind of specific work, I will only work with a client if they actually commit to actually working with that doctor. If they're not going to commit to working with that doctor, then it's 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 not safe for me, it's not safe for the client, it's not safe for anyone. So I'm really very strict with my boundaries when it comes to those kind of things. Well, and I, I am as well. I, in the States, it's a matter of license, and I'm not licensed to manage meds, and yep. I have no desire to be. 
or interest in it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that that is an important part of of coming off of them. It's how you do it. And because I'll have clients that just they'll come in and say, well, you know what? I'm feeling so much better. This neurofeedback, this neuromodulation, you know, the CBT, mm-hmm. I'm thinking clearer. So I've decided I just stop my meds and, and my chin will get oh, the my best. You know, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, I, and I make a pretty yeah. good, big deal about it. No, don't ever stop your meds. Whoever puts you on your meds needs to be the person that takes you off of your meds because there is a methodology. I don't know what it is, but I know that there is one. Right. Yeah, but I, but I probably add to a lot of, I would say... Not necessarily everyone who puts them on the meds is the person to take off because there's a lot of doctors that would think there's absolutely no way. I mean, part of the story that we've been told is, uh, you know, you've been given your diagnosis, you need to take meds, you need to take them for life. And so it may not be the person that put you on them that has the the comfort level or even the consciousness or, or, or the knowledge to pull them off, which is I've discovered. But, you know, finding that doctor that's going to look work alongside with you that does have that skill set. Um, yeah, that's that's gold when it comes to this. Cause yeah, you just got to make sure that you're with someone that really understands what they're doing because it's a slow and steady process. And, and I agree with you. I, when I hear a client that's just also goes cold turkey off meds, I'm mean, that I did that twice in my life with disastrous consequences. So I know firsthand how horrific that can be. And so my first thing is get on your meds right away. Please get them on right away. Otherwise we cannot continue this conversation. I cannot continue to work with you. You're putting yourself and others in danger by doing that because chemical withdrawal can bring, you know, the very symptoms that you may have gone to the doctor to get relief from could bring on the symptoms like a thousandfold, you know, so I, I, I take that one very seriously. Are there some medications like benzos and or certain classifications that are more difficult for people to come off of? Yeah, I mean, when I, I remember when I first started learning about it. So as I was coming off of lithium, which was not easy to get off of when I did it finally the last time and did it successfully back in 2010. Um, but as I started to really do a deep dive and study it um, and then talk to other doctors and psychiatrists and learn from their firsthand experience. Um, I mean, I remember when I first heard about benzos being 40 times more addictive than heroin. Now, heroin heroin's pretty addictive substance. Never tried it. Don't know what it's about, but 40 times more addictive than heroin. That's, that's, that's quite a statement. So yeah, there's, I mean, I think with all the different classes, you just, um, there's, there's a method to it. Um, you certainly, you know, and I don't know the clear methods. I know how to kind of hold people through the, hold the space through it while they, the expert does that work. Um, but yeah, every, every different class of med, whether it's antidepressant, uh, stimulants, um, opiates, all of it, they all have, you know, there's a, there's a science to it. And, and it's also a new frontier too. So it's, it's, this is kind of relatively new work where I think doctors are continuously learning how to safely do it and which ones to do first and, you know, in what order. So it's, um, I wouldn't say it's an exact science, um, but it's, it's definitely a new science and I think it's getting better by the day. Um, but it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a challenging task. It is. And, and my heart breaks for those that they'll get on a medication and they'll take it consistently and they'll start feeling so much better. And then a couple of months into it, they start having a side effect and then they get on another medication mm-hmm. and then that gets complicated. And you can just it's it's exhausting for one thing. Um, yeah. and it's almost like you feel like that you're 
you're hurting you. You're doing everything you can to help yourself. And then in the end, you're hurting yourself. And that's something that, I mean, I come at it with a more focused view than you do using biofeedback, neurofeedback, neuroplasticity, neuromodulation, psychotherapy. But I'm the first one to say, if there's any bit of science behind it, try it. I mean, some of the things like I've used acupuncture personally. Um, I'm a big believer in cellular cleansing. I'm a big believer in Mm -hmm. what the right level of vitamins can do. And let's talk about mindfulness, because when I looked at your website, Mm -hmm. that was what just kind of screamed at me. Wow. You know, there's mindfulness just came at me. Is that a big part of your practice? It is. I mean, it's really, I mean, it's how, it's how I start my day um, upon my eyes opening from asleep. It's how I end my day before I close my eyes. And it's what I do throughout the day, just bringing mindfulness to all of it. And it's, it's, it's mindfulness, you know, built alongside kind of inv- invoke invocations and prayer. Um, you know, when I did my training with uh, Patty Conklin, who I learned Southern Cleansing, just an incredible woman and, you know, dear friend and colleague too. She, she really opened my eyes to a lot of things. And, and so she's a, I'll just quickly tell about her. She's a fascinating woman. She, she's does healing work all over the world. She was born with a certain part of her brain active where she sees everything in vibrational fields. So she doesn't even see clothing or faces. Um, and so she always tells funny stories about like, you know, there's like a, a white floor and there's white stairs, you know, she'll often, she can't see the difference between the floor and the stairs. So, Anyway, she started educating me on the, how she actually sees, you know, when people speak, you know, the spoken word has a physical vibration and it comes out of the mouth and it actually travels inside the cells and inside the peptides in the body. And that creates a story, you know, and because we're built 70% water, that story that we create through the spoken word that we speak directly impacts our body and our life and, and what manifests in our life. And so when I really started to get understand that concept and, and working and training with, with Patty, um, that's when life really started to change in really interesting ways. And, you know, so one of the things that I'm really conscious of doing is, you know, saying my prayer and saying my invocation and my intention for the day, but also like saying it out loud. So that spoken word actually goes into my cells and continues to integrate so that it can expand out and it can start to amplify and attract that invocation. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer in mindfulness. I'm a big believer in, in, in spoken word and prayer and invocation. And, um, and just, yeah, I've just, I keep experiencing miracles as a result of having that be a practice in my life. And I really work to, to instill that practice with my clients as well. I'm a big believer in spoken word as well. Back in 2019, my office was destroyed by a tornado and it was a shock. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was it was quite a shock. And walking out of that office after that first day, you know, I stood in the parking lot. All the trees were on the ground. And I just stood there and I said to myself, I will come back bigger and better and stronger. And that first week, I must have said that a hundred times. And I found that the louder I said it, the more I believed it. And it really did give me the strength it, it, it motivated me. I was blessed. I had a company come to me and say, hey, we have an, an office that you can use, you know, no charge. And then, oh, my gosh, 
I've got to get equipment because everything was destroyed. But it was the spoken word that really inspired me and motivated me to get moving. Well, I love that. That's a great story and just, yeah, perfectly speaks to to this subject. So you've talked about, we've talked about diet, the importance of that. How do you feel about physical exercise? Uh, super important. You know, I, I, it's funny. I was, I, I played sports. I was an athlete my whole life. And, uh, yeah, just to me, the physical movement is such an important part to just getting the endorphins moving and, and, you know, just having that sense of vitality. Um, it's funny these last few months, um, you know, I was, I was hiking a lot and that's was kind of like what I was doing is my exercise. And then, uh, it's actually a great time. You asked this question. So I was like, you know what? I, but over the last five years, I was like, gosh, I'm just, I feel like I've got a little, you know, you start to lose muscle as you're starting to get a little bit older. And so I just, I hired a personal trainer that I started with uh, on Wednesday and I'm going to do that three times a week. And I think just because I'm turning 50, I just made a commitment. I'm going to do it three times a week for this year. And then when I turn 51, I'll reassess if I want to keep doing it three times a week with this trainer or see how it may change or shift. But to me, it is such an important piece, uh, really important piece of the puzzle, you know, like physical exercise and, and, and really just, you know, if I can just go on with just like the basics, you know, like good sleep, physical exercise, good, ideally organic nutrition to the best of your ability in organic nutrition. Um, you know, those, those basics um, just can go such a long way. They're just the keeping, uh, keeping things simple to those. And if you can, if, if that can be the focus in the beginning and then just kind of building that foundation first and then, branching out from there, great. But if that can be a focus to start on, those real basic things that can sometimes get overlooked as we get into all these, like, and get into these intense and extravagant therapies. Um, you know, it's really, I'm just always asking first, you know, does, is the foundation built first? Do you have good sleep? Do you have are you exercise? Are you just going out for a walk, you know, a little bit, 30 minutes a day? Are you eating well? You know, and if those things aren't in place, it's, it's hard to build up from that foundation if those things aren't in place first. Absolutely. And I'd like to build on that because sleep, to me, sleep is your foundation. And from a brain standpoint, mm -hmm. it absolutely is. All day long, those neurons and dendrites are wiring and firing and they're creating toxic waste. But that's OK. When you go to sleep, these little glial cells come out and they're like little scrubbing bubbles. You know, they clean all that up. So if you're not going to sleep, if you're you know, you're not getting adequate sleep, when does that process occur? And a lot of research is coming out that's showing there's a link between insomnia and Alzheimer's. And I mean, and I honestly believe that sleep, if you want to do one thing for your brain that will let it rejuvenate itself, let's get good sleep. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, I think just given these last two years that I've heard more and more people that didn't have sleep issues that have, have developed sleep issues over the last two years, just from the stress that I think we've all incurred. And, um, you know, and just, I, I would always say if people are having sleep issues, you know, there's great tools out there. Um, my wife for one has sleep issues and out of, out of her having sleep issues, she actually uh, started a CBD company. She, you know, she sourced the, the top CBD on earth coming out of Oregon, state of Oregon. She uh, just got certified. She's now one of the first certified people to bring it into Costa Rica. And but she, you know, she built this company and she's doing this business, you know, first and foremost for her own sleep issues. And already I'm seeing her sleep patterns change. And 
even these last few weeks, she's, yeah, creating new sleep formula for CBD and it's actually, it's working. And so she's always her test subject. So I say, you know, whatever it is, if you're having the sleep issues, there's incredible tools out there. That's one of them. Um, you know, there's melatonin, although you don't, you don't want to take that regularly. Um, but it's, it's great on a one-off once in a while. There's just, um, valerian root. There's so many things out there. And, and I'd say just work those tools to get those sleep patterns in check and solid. Um, cause yeah, it's it, to me, if the sleep is off, it can be a cascade of issues, medical issues and challenges, like just from sleep issues alone. Well, and, and I, I have to say this, I probably shouldn't, but so many clients will tell me, well, I take Benadryl and it just knocks me out, mm. puts me right, right to sleep. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, I'm sure it does. Right. <laughs> Not right. nothing against right. Benadryl, but it's synthetic chemicals. And why would you go the synthetic yeah. route? when there are organic approaches that, that you mentioned several of. So it's, it's stopping right. and thinking about what's, what's best for my body. You know, it's just like, what do you eat? If it might, what I tell my clients, if it comes in a bag, a box or a can, and it's good for a couple of years, stop and ask yourself what's in there. What's going to preserve it that right. long. And it's the same way with, with medication as well. We've got about three minutes left. And I know that people that maybe people that have listened might want to say, gee, how could I talk to this guy? How could I find him? So I know you've got a website because I've been on it. It's a great website. Tell us a little bit about it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So it's, so the website is rossmckenzie.net. So it's R O S S M C K E N Z I E.net. And, uh, yeah, anyone can kind of hop on there and just, um, you know, learn, learn a little bit more about my work. Uh, and, um, yeah, and then there's a, there's contact there and, uh, people can reach out to me through that, through that, uh, venue. Great. And are, do you do any social media like LinkedIn or, or are you just pretty much on the website? Which by the way, I'm on the website. I'm I'm actually, yeah. And, and, uh, and one of the things I'm just in, in collaboration right now with the, uh, production company, and uh, I'm going to be doing a mental wellness uh, masterclass, and that's probably going to be launched. Um, I'm hearing in the next three to four months, so just in the development stage with that right now. But I'm really excited about that. I'm actually I've brought in um, a dear friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Dan Engel. He's based out of Austin, Texas. He's one of the the best holistic psychiatrists I know on planet Earth, and so uh, he and I will be uh, facilitating that masterclass. It's basically going to be a a 90 or like it's going to be a two hour class first you know 90 minutes will be um you know he and i going back and forth and 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 going off of different subjects all things related to mental wellness and then the last 30 minutes will be a q a from all the participants that sounds great so i think people if they want to keep in touch with that check back to your website from time to time absolutely is that absolutely yeah. yeah Well, I thank you so much for being with me today. It's really, and you, you know, sharing your story and, and being so open and so honest is encouraging because I've had people that, that they had, that's the, that's the start. And that's the hardest thing to do is just to say how bad it was and it can only get better <laughs> from there and living the way that you've lived for the last 10 years has certainly changed your life. Now you have two beautiful dog kids and a wife and, yeah. I think it sounds like that you're living your optimal wellness just about as much as you talk it. And that's something to be yeah. proud of. Well, that's the important. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I realize I can't, I can't do my work unless I'm living and walking my own talk. Uh, so yeah, to me, it's uh, that's the most important part. And uh, 
yeah, and there's been a lot of uh, fun fun benefits from it. So yeah, to me, the greatest gift though is when I when I get to see my clients, when I get to see kind of the light bulbs come on and get to see them turn on. So it's it's a thrill. Well, thank you so much, Ross, for being with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Wonderful conversation. Thanks so much for having me. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and the Brain Performance.